BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler, the host, the star and namesake. Victor Davis Hanson is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow in History at the Hoover Institution. Am I right, Victor? I think I am. I've only said this about a thousand times. And the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. You're just distinguished wherever you are. Hey, Victor writes a lot for many places, New Criterion, American Greatness. He has a syndicated column. But he has a lot of original writing at his website, victorhanson.com, about which we will talk uh, later. But we're going to talk about politics today. We're going to talk about election. We're going to talk about whether democracy is on the ballot or not, and Pelosi's uh, weirdnesses, and uh, McConnell and Trump, and a whole range of things political. And we'll get to those things right after these important messages. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show again. Uh, you know, Victor, it's uh, this show is being aired on Election Day. Of course, a lot of people have already voted. And for all we know, a lot of people will still be voting in certain cities in Pennsylvania days from now. But uh, one thing I'd like to get your thoughts on as we begin is, um, and again, events will will prove you or us right or wrong, is the uh, is the a wave and the extent of the wave. And I, I want to just, uh, and I ask your indulgence and the listeners' indulgence, uh, for uh, an anal- a quick analysis from Newt Gingrich. So last night, Friday night, um, the fourth on, uh, he was on. I think he was on Tucker. Oh no, he's on Sean Hannity's show, and he he really he laid it out like this is going to be a significant um, change. And here's what he wrote on his own website uh, this weekend which while we're recording this weekend is going to accelerate that swing. I have a friend 
who says his wife comes home in a every Sunday after buying the week's groceries from Cheerios to milk to eggs to meat. Everything's getting more expensive. Another friend says he's not bought steak in a year because it's simply too expensive. This weekend, the undecided voters and the lean Democrat voters are going to fill up their gas tanks and get irritated by the price. Uh, they're going to go grocery shopping and shopping and get angry all over again. Then they're going to go home, turn on the local news, and watch the worst crime wave in 50 years. When they turn to politics in the last few days before they vote, they are going to see clips of an angry, bitter old man tearing America apart with the most vicious and divisive language of any president in American history, etc. So Newt believes uh, and, and argues that all of the all of the outstanding votes, all of the undecideds, these things are just going to break the Republican way. I think he said at least 54, maybe even 55 Senate seats, and, and he predicted a pickup of uh, his number was 44 uh, House seats, which would be quite significant. So, Victor, there's a theory there. You know, uh, uh, essentially, uh, those people who still are not rock solid it's all it's all going one way, and that might pull Colorado and 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 uh, North Dakota. No, excuse me, uh, New Hampshire and some other seats along in the Senate. That's Newt's thought. Those are Newt's thoughts. Victor, what are your thoughts? Well, I think what he means is that when you when you have these midterm elections and there's these divisive issues, of what a person thinks in New Hampshire and what a person thinks in Oregon or Washington are not that dissimilar because they triumph or trump the local local situations they even to a certain extent try, uh, trump the, the quality of the candidate and so not that and that and that makes it doubly bad for the Democrats because I think for all the talk of the mega candidates were too extreme they're much they're very good candidates and the Democratic ones as we see in Arizona and Oregon are not but I think what he's saying is that people collectively, want to vote Republican for the issues that he he outlined. And they're just waiting and waiting and waiting to see if there's an answer, you know, if there's a, a counter argument. Is Joe Biden going to say, this was great. We let in five, three to five million illegal aliens. That's our plan. We've got a lot of fresh work, work hardworking Americans. I got rid of that constitution pump pipeline. I didn't approve it. Got rid of Keystone XL. Anwar shut down like I promised? Or if he's, they're not going to do that, is he going to say, okay, we had to do this, but now we're pivoting. So I'm going to build 100 miles of wall. We've got Anwar coming back online. We've got some fiscal discipline. I'm going to have some federal attorneys look at these uh, laxities in the big cities of non-prosecution. Is he going to do that? And they haven't heard anything. So what have they heard, Jack? They've heard A, if you do not vote for a Democrat, that is synonymous with voting against democracy. So Democrats and democracy go together. If you vote against Democrats, you're voting against democracy. That's half the country and more when you count the independents. And then second, abortion, abortion, abortion. And that is now distilled down to we want a national abortion bill, and we don't really care about the federalist system. And even after the repeal of Roe versus Wade, we're not going to let it go back to the states. We want a national abortion law that says every woman in the United States can terminate a human life up to the minute before birth. That's pretty much what they're saying. 
And then third, it's Donald Trump and the semi-fascists are half the nation, and they have to be done with. Boy, they really went after them uh, this week. So I don't. So they've been waiting, and they hear that, and they get mad because they said, "Damn it! I want to buy a hamburger. I want to buy steak. I, I want to fill up my pickup. I, I, I want to walk again, you know, at noon in Baltimore or San Francisco or Chicago, or I don't want to turn the." the evening news and see all these brand new weapons we gave over to the Taliban and they're not getting any answers for it. So collectively across state lines, across ideologies, across party registration, people are coming to a consensus. The only question is, do they have time for the full extent of that uh, to play out? And I think what's going to happen is a lot of Democrats are not going to vote some Democrats won't talk to anybody, but they're going to vote Republican because they're sick of their own party. You're going to get a 45 or 50 percent Hispanic vote and a 20 percent African-American vote. And it's going to send a big message. And um, so I think Genrich's numbers yeah, his, uh, are pretty much on the target. OK, I did uh, see and I think I shared with that Quinnipiac poll the other day that uh, it's different between uh, 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 Hispanic voters and Hispanic adults it was Hispanic adults was still uh, pretty significantly favoring of Democrats, but Hispanic voters, registered voters, it was uh, I think it was 48, 46 uh, pro GOP. Uh, that's just, uh, you know, politically uh, earth, uh, earth shaking earthquake. Uh, for for recent political um, history, Victor. Another thing, uh, you know, along these same lines, and maybe we can meld into this. We can talk separately. I hope about the, the speech uh, Joe Biden uh, gave earlier this week, um, the the final big uh, uh, challenge to frighten Americans. But the the concept of 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 this, these last Democrat, the uh, last days of the election, the, their tactics is essentially to scare you know, democracies on the ballot. And that was interesting. I'm sure you saw, and I'm sure many of our listeners saw the Fox compiling a clip of all the talking heads on the left, uh, like 12 of them, democracies on the ballot, democracies on the ballot, democracies on the ballot. But uh, America, I guess it's possible to scare an electorate uh, at a point into uh, uh, voting one way, but we're an electorate that has been tormented the last uh, few years with with uh, threats of apocalypses of, of all sorts, and and are tired of are tired no, of. I think that's exactly right. The attitude is shut the fuck up. We don't want to hear it anymore. We heard it when you swore that there was Russian collusion. We heard it when you swore that some damn ban, bat or pangolin was responsible for COVID rather than this Wuhan lab that we helped fund. We heard it with Hunter's laptop. We heard it when you said there was an armed insurrection that killed Officer Sicknick. We're sick of it. We're sick of the hysterics. We're sick of the walls closing in. We're sick of the bombshells. We don't believe you anymore. So when we vote and we vote you out, we're not voting against democracy. We're voting for democracy. That's what we're participating in. And you're losing. And just because you lose doesn't mean that democracy dies. It means it thrives. And you people are trying to destroy democracy because you're trying to suppress free expression. You have ministries of truth you installed. You've colluded with big tech to suppress and monitor expression. And I think people are going to really get sick of these people. And uh, we'll see. But I think that all of these races 
are going to break by one or two points and they're going to break against them. And it won't matter what the margin is if they break because of the same mentalities and the same landscapes that are affecting these races. And the races is simply, this is civilization versus chaos. It cannot go on with an open border with 3 million people. When you look at that border, you say, God, we have, a, we have an immigration law. Why is that guy, that guy, that hundred, these 200 just pouring across the borders into our country? Who is going to pay for them when they come in here? They're going to need Medi-Cal. They're going to need Medicare. They're going to need housing. They're going to need education. Who pays for that? And and they're not going to be happy at us. We know what the left will do with them for a generation, that they hate us. So who? why don't they stop that? And then the crime, the woman jogger in Central Park that was raped, the African-American woman that was executed by her husband that had just been left. It's every day. Why don't they just stop it? Why don't they put these people in jail? And right. there's no answer to it. And so people get angry. And then when they're told that they're racist or they're paranoid or they're conspiracy, they get even angrier. So I don't well, think that we well, really, yeah, I don't think we've estimated the possibilities of what could happen. It could be a 55 seats. It could be 45 seats because right. um, these people are. Yeah, well angry the, take the viciousness of uh well the, the voters are angry but the the, the uh the leftists are as uh, who are you know on, on msnbc and the view let's say you know we're what are we we're cockroaches suburban women who don't agree with whatever the hell her name is on uh on the view or or like uh sunny host it's like yeah yeah cockroaches voting for for yeah, that, uh, raid uh, <laughs> that's very strange what's going on because uh, they just fired that uh is it tiffany um from msnbc tiffany cross yeah yeah somebody yeah she was why, what happened there well what's happening with the african-american commentariat on the left is they are talking in collectives without distinctions right so they use this word white and so whites all suburban white women are like cockroaches going to raid and they're so stupid and they're so suicidal and there's and they're not as nearly as bright as sunny Huston. so they don't know what's in their interest what's the matter with kansas argument and they're right. they're, they're compared to insects anybody she's an idiot but anybody knows in popular discourse you don't use bug imagery insect imagery because we know who did it the third reich did yeah the soviets that's what right. stanford right. did to, right. to uh that's what stanford did to josh uh, ben shapiro when he came to stanford they put uh raid bug spray uh pictures all over the campus right. spray them out and and then at the same time we've got this joy reed who's saying that you know nobody knows what the word inflation means and all these stupid voters don't know what they're it's it, and she was just channeling the barack obama clingers clingers argument and right. then we have michael Steele comparing trump voters to nazis then we have jim Clyburn comparing them to the take over the weimar republic and he got it so screwed up about weimar and who was vice oh he didn't know any he does, he's an ignorant man yeah. and right. then right. we had the diversion diversity candidate uh, diversity of the education sections in the pentagon and she's was talking about 
you can't give white people this and that you have to they'll always turn on you and then you had the democratic candidate i think from south carolina said that how awful white people my point is this if you're going to have an elite privileged group of people and they are going to attack people on the basis of their race with complete impunity although tiffany cross mm -hmm. was finally right. fired megan um Kelly said a really brilliant thing. Oh, Megan Kelly, right? Yeah. yeah Megan yeah. Kelly is really great. She said, This is yeah. the war, this is the biggest racist on on the air. And she is. But the point I'm making is that you cannot say to an African American person, I don't think, well, why don't you take care of crime? Because we're all individuals. But once that spokesman crosses that individual line and starts talking about everybody else in collectives and in a disparaging way. These white people are like insects. These white people are like Nazis. These white, you, you start doing that and people are going to say, okay, 53, 54% of violent crimes, depending on the category of rape or murder assault are committed by African-Americans. Have you seen YouTube lately? And when they say, well, these are racist commercials that Zeldin's showing well, just show me how many people of the 68% right. rubric are doing this. Because when you look at hate crimes, the so-called white collective is disproportionately underrepresented as assailants. And the African-American rubric is double their numbers in the population as committers of hate crimes. This is not just violent crimes. It soars even right. higher that when you have 6%... 6% African male, African-American males, and they're committing 53% of the nation's crime and their elite spokesman, their spokesman, I use that term because these people assume they are their spokesman and they're talking about Nazi white people and insect white people. It's not a sustainable proposition and people are going to get angry. And I, I, I think this is really terrible for racial relationships because that, because what's going to happen they have ran, run CNN and MSNBC in the ground. At some point, we're seeing it with this leaked guy at CNN. We're going to see it in MSNBC. Somebody's going to say they're either going to have to tell Joy Reid or Al Sharpton or what they did to, to Tiffany Crawford. You can't start spouting or to Michael Steele. You can't keep spouting or Ellie Mustel. You can't, you know, he's, he said, I, I, when COVID's over, I just don't want to see white people. I want to keep away from them. You can't right. keep spouting right. this. And because if you're spouting this and you're a self-appointed megaphone for an entire collective without individual exceptions, it's which, which you are when you attack white people, then people are going to say the same thing about African-Americans. They're going to say, then you're responsible for your collective committing these violent crimes that are really turned off the nation. So you better be careful. I think that's what's really right. bad when you start talking about yeah. collectives and not individuals. And they do. They don't talk. They don't. Sonny well, Hudson uh, never you, says you, some. Uh, there's a few, so you know, white Republican women. Right. I, I don't think they're voting in their own interest. She says, white Southern men are like bugs going to raid. Okay, what do you? Mm -hmm. she, she can't even finish a sentence. She's so ignorant. And the same thing with Stacey Abrams. She's running for Georgia. And he. And her opponent, Kemp, says, I've got the endorsement. And she said, well, you're that. I would be. I wouldn't want that. Those are just good old boys that, you know, harass African-Americans. So there you go again. And, right. and you know, it's, it's 
I thought Oz handled it pretty well, but Oprah was his close friend. You know, Oprah was, she doesn't know anybody. Uh, she doesn't know Fetterman. And she endorses uh, Fetterman. And then she endorses Stacey Abrams and da-da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, all of a sudden she's back into the political whirlwind, like Whoopi Goldberg, and it's always the same thing. That the subtext is always the same thing. There is uh, right. The more, the more, well, these, the more these uh, celebrities become wealthy and powerful. The LeBrons, the Colin Kaepernicks, the the more they lodge complaints against this racist society. And finally, people in the lower middle classes that are right today, deciding whether they're going to fill their car up or get groceries or right. sick of, they're sick of it. They're sick of it. Yeah. And well, that's what, yeah, that's what's on the ballot. <laughs> that's what's uh, on the ballot. Yeah. You know, Victor, we, you, you've predicted before and I, I'll, we, maybe we'll wait for another episode, but I'm assuming if the Hispanic vote comes in, as some of those polls have shown, we are going to see uh, that ferocity um, broaden or as has happened a long time ago that, that, um, oh my gosh, the, 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 uh, the Zimmerman who 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 um, uh, fought and killed Trayvon uh, Trayvon Martin yes. was a white Hispanic, and the and the whiteness will will be an expansive term to incorporate uh, uh, Hispanic. It already so, is. Uh, They're already attacking the three uh, uh, Mexican American women along the border. They're running as right, white, right. Whites. The candidates they have this, you know, they have this new idea that white races and they did it to larry elder they call him a white supremacist and um yeah they, they're, they're gonna have to come up with that but there's there they've destroyed the the irony jack is that they've given all of these sermons about how maga took over the republican party maga took over the republican party and said you know what the bushes the romneys they're not the face of the republican party anymore we are not a bunch of white aristocratic wealthy inherited people we're just not we welcome those people right. in the party. We have nothing against them. And they have some good ideas, but the party is a lower middle and upper middle class. And we have right. substituted race. We've got rid of race and it's class and it's ecumenical. So if you're a Mexican-American contractor, if you're an African-American policeman, you have the same class interests as we do. You want to restore the United States industrial and assembly and manufacturing center. You want free trade, not just free, but fair trade, not just free, but it has to be fair with China, reciprocal, symmetrical, symmetrical trade. And we want a deterrent Jacksonian foreign policy. And we want energy development and we want to restore law and order. And we want a border, and we're going to, and that is a populist, nationalist, middle class agenda. And the Democratic Party is the right. one that's radically changed. It's a party of bicoastal wealthy. It's first of all, it's, it's run by billionaires, and second, it's right. It's shock troops or upper degree, upper upper middle class, professional degree coastal elites, and then the subsidized poor, and. Uh, it doesn't represent the middle class. It doesn't like the middle class. And that's why it comes up with all these terms that they use all the time, like clingers or irredeemables or deplorables or dregs, chumps. Yeah. That's why they think they can get away with 
these racist things they say. They say it every damn day on television. They start getting into race and then they start just sounding off. And um, they can threaten people. They can run out Kavanaugh out of a restaurant. They can swarm his home. You can have Schumer's at the doors of the Supreme Court. And that's all permissible. That's social justice activism. And then they project onto people, well, you're threatening people. You went into Paul Pelosi's house, you mega people. That was just absurd. Right. And I think people are just saying, you know, these people are just spoiled brats. They're just privileged fools. They're not very smart. They're stupid. Right. They 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 look at the border and they said, what ignoramus made that mess after they gave us these lectures about quote unquote cages? They let they get a murder. They let him out, and their their attitude is he's not going to murder me. <laughs> He'll murder murder that poor black guy in this ghetto, but not me. I live in a good neighborhood. I have a private security. That's how they think. And people are going to say, you know what? We're sick of you. We're sick of everything you represent. And I think it's going to be a, a big yeah. backlash. And yeah, we'll see. Well, Victor, let's let's talk, let's talk about something that may have made. Um, voters even sicker and uh and that's uh, joe biden's um speech uh from union station in washington and let's get your thoughts on on that right after uh these important messages as a professional welder shana ford uses forge fx to practice over and over which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler, and we are recording on Saturday, November 5th. This uh, episode, uh, this uh, program uh, will be aired on uh, Election Day uh, through our mothership, justthenews.com, which is uh, run by the great uh, John Solomon. Uh, Victor uh, uh, um, has a website, folks. Let me get a couple of plugs in here before we get Victor's thoughts on uh, Biden's uh, speech uh, VictorHanson.com is uh, where Victor hangs his hat on the web, and he writes a lot of exclusive uh, articles and essays. Uh, we're not going to talk about them on this episode. The next one we'll talk about is a current three-part series he's written on on projection. This is terrific stuff. You, you, you can read it, but you have to subscribe. And I, I really would like to encourage you to do it. Uh, drop the five bucks in. Uh, to test drive, and then uh, you'll like it and subscribe. It's fifty dollars a discounted rate for the year. As for me, uh, why don't you consider subscribing to the free weekly email newsletter I write, Civil Thoughts? I do that for the Center for Civil Society at American Philanthropic, 
12, 13, 14 recommended readings. Here's a link. Here's an excerpt of, of, of uh, recent pieces that I'm confident intelligent people like you listeners would like to read. So, Victor, a um, couple of things we want to get in here today, and one is your thoughts on, on Biden. And, and bef uh, before we move away from like the hysterics uh, uh, and the hypocrites of, of, of the last few weeks, uh, I do want to also get to the historian, your historian, uh, and I want to get your thoughts about this Michael Beschloss idiocy that was cranked out the other day. But first, Victor, um, you know, here's Biden coming in. Okay, I'm going to make some profound argument that's going to make uh, the base shake in its boots. And uh, yeah, it was, gosh, I, I can't, it was a terrible speech in every freaking way. Uh, that's my uh, humble opinion. What, what, do you, what did you think about uh, Biden's performance and and his message and anything else. Well, the logic of it was he gave, you know, two earlier versions. He gave the semi-fascist speech, and he was chastised for it. And then he went full full, you know, demagoguery uh, when he gave the Phantom of the Opera speech with the red sets. And each time, people in his own party. And the independent pundocracy, you know, blasted him. And then he stopped because people said, you know, and we know the polls were bad. And then people came back to him and said, look, you don't have any other issue. You, you, you can't explain inflation. You can't defend crime. You have no answer for the border. You're not going to, you know, convince people that you've got a great foreign policy. Crime's not going to go down. So you got to double down and just say that these people are horrible people and they're scary. And, and you got to make it a Manichaean, black versus white in, in the sense of, you know, no in between, no gray. And darkness versus light. These people live in the valley of the shadows, shadows of lies, he said the second time. So now he went back and he doubled down. And it was sort of like McCarthy swinging that piece of paper. He said, I have a list here of 219 names of people in the communism. Not that there were some communism, but he's saying, I've got a list of all these people that are running for office that are election deniers. And I thought, okay, stop, USOB. Stop. So you're telling me you have a list and you're telling me that Stacey Abrams is a threat to democracy. Huh? No, no. You're telling me Dianne Feinstein is a threat to democracy because she said that Trump was not a legitimate president. Nope. You are telling me that James Clyburn and Benny Thompson, the head of the January 6th committee and the third ranking Republic uh, Democrat in the House are election denialists because they refused to certify the votes in Ohio in 2004. It was clear they were illegitimate. You, they tried to stop that election. Hillary Clinton is election denier about 20 times. I, I counted them. She said, I think my count was 13 times. She said that Trump was not an election. Jimmy Carter said Trump was not right. fairly elected. He is not a legitimate president. That's what, you know, that's what birthed the whole collusion farce. So these people have all been election deniers. And when you object Anybody can do it. I don't think it's a threat to democracy. If you want to go say, I got cheated, it's not a nice thing to do, but go ahead. Who cares? The system's supposed to be able to deal with that. 
What the system right. can't deal with is somebody like Mark Zuckerberg infusing into a nonprofit right. four hundred nineteen right. million dollars to pre-select precincts to get out and harvest votes by absorbing the work of the government, which is illegal in most states. That's what he did. And right. what you can't do is what it can't survive is when the FBI starts to work with Silicon Valley to suppress information that might have a bearing on election. And what you can't do in a democracy is have one candidate hide her foot handprints behind three paywalls and then hire foreign nationals, which are illegal. You cannot hire a foreigner to work in a political campaign. She hired right. Christopher Steele. He got in this Dolan and Dushinko, and they created this whole farce. And that was really destructive to democracy. And it didn't end. It was then perpetuated by the FBI and carried on during the transition in the presidency. So when I listened to that speech, I thought, wow, you're talking about violence, 100, 120 days of violence, nothing. All these election deniers, nothing. And then, you know, when you read the text of it, it was bad enough, but then you see him, and here it, it's it's very strange. He 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 squints, he's pale, right? And he, he slurs his word like he's going to spit, and he's angry, and he yells and screams, and then you say, and he well, crushes the words together too. Yeah, he crushes, you know, just like, slurs them in, you know. And then yeah, that same week he didn't know what century he was talking about. He, you know, Barack Obama thought there were 57 states. He thought there were 54. Right, right. And he, right. <laughs> so what I'm getting at is, yes, everybody that's listening, he's cognitively challenged, but he was always an SOB. He was always a mean-spirited right. person. He was always a racist. A liar. And now right. what he's done is, in this very strange twist, because he's senile or doddering, people say, well, that well, he, he didn't mean that. He doesn't. He's just talking like that because he's a little addled. No, he's always been that way. And now you see it in the raw. And it's it's no different. So, yes, he, he his delivery is impaired, but the mean spiritness is not. It's the same person. Yeah. My old right. My old colleague and uh, Charlie Cook, he wrote a piece say either look, uh, Democrats, he's senile or he's a liar. Which one? I say he's both. He's both. He's he was always the liar, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and look what he's done. I mean, we impeached Donald Trump. He Remember he at that speech, he gave a list of all the things that the Democrats would do. And one of the things mm -hmm. they'd stop his giveaway on loans. That was illegal. He didn't even go to the Congress. And then he lied about it and said, oh, I got that passed by a couple of votes. No, you didn't. You right. just canceled a contract, which you can't do as president. And now you're making fun of people and saying they're not going to... They might want to enforce the law and, and correct your your unlawfulness. Yes, they might. Right. And then, you know, the same old right. thing about they're going to cut Social Security. Even the Washington Post said gave him four Pinocchios on that. And then he no mention about all the working class people that he doesn't care about that are going to pay these loans for these people with graduate degrees. And, um, you know, and then he got into affirmative action and all of this and He's I, I think it's really important for conservatives and Republicans and moderate independents to just say, you know what? Press the pedal to the metal. Don't listen to this because these people are yeah. dangerous. 
And the only thing that they understand is losing. So go out and vote like you've never voted before. Vote them out of office. Conduct investigations of all the skullduggery they were involved in, starting with Joe Biden himself and his family. And don't look back. Don't worry what they say. Don't listen to it. Their ratings show you. Right. They've wrecked network news. Fox is almost the same as, I think, ABC News now. They've wrecked yeah. Time Magazine, Atlantic Magazine. Nobody reads. They're just partisan. They're not even magazines anymore. They've ruined the reputation right. of Facebook and Google and Twitter until Elon Musk took over. And everything they touch, they turn to dross. And so don't listen to them. And I think people are, are starting to... It's also I don't want I don't know how to put my finger on it, but it's that whiny nasal. Well, I I was looking at Carrie Lake and somebody was trying to, you know, cross her up about something, and his voice. Well, well, what are you saying about this? Well, what are you saying? You know what I mean? It's just these people. Right. It's really a muscularity. What's, I mean, it, it, there's this I, cognitive elite, and then they're dealing with the guy that's driving the semi for ten hours, or the guy in the forklift lifting, you know, cinder blocks all day long versus the guy, the cop out going into the worst. That's the, it's a class divide now. Yeah. And, well, it's like a revenge of the nerds of sorts. It you is. Know, the guys, yeah, the is. little lefties who got shoved in, shoved in the lockers and uh, swirlied in the, in the turlets. Uh, <laughs> I think I've said that before. The, my dad said a lot of smart things, but one of the smartest things was when he dropped me off at UC Santa Cruz. And he walked in the dorms and he was lifting everything. And we had boxes I was trying to unload. And everybody who walked by smelled. They didn't take baths. Barefooted. Drugs. Smelt marijuana right. everywhere. <laughs> we went in the bathroom. There was a guy taking a shower naked with his girlfriend in the male part. Yeah. And my yeah. dad said, where the hell is the male dorm? I said, it starts right at that little invisible line. <laughs> those spoons are women and these are men <laughs> well, why the hell is she in there and he said wow these people are going to be running the country someday oh my god and they were yeah they are and yeah. and the country shows that they are because it's going to hell yeah it's uh insipid candy assery of, of the elite whatever is, it is uh, is very people, palpable people don't like it that's yeah. something also for Half of the Mexican-American population, when you talk to those that are starting to express doubts about the Democratic Party, it's not just inflation. It's not just gas. It's more so transgenderism, attack on faith and all right. that. But it's also they don't. Yeah, manliness. Yeah, they, manly, yeah, right, yeah right. they don't like to be talked down to by nerds. Yeah. Hey, Victor, uh, speak, we'll talk about a nerd here in a second. I just want to let you know that uh, on Just the News uh, uh, being reported, you mentioned the school loans, and we, we don't need to get into this, but Democrats, despite everything that's happening, right, the, the, you know, the, 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 the tsunami is coming at them. Democrats propose expanding, expanding student loan forgiveness for government employees in order to incentivize yes. public service. They just don't freaking get That's it. That's right before now, the election. They, they get in a room and they think yeah. all of these MAGA, all of these, you know, dregs and chumps, and there's too many of them. We got to get our base out. So one guy at the round the table says, well, let's give all the student loan money. Let's just cancel the debt. And the guy goes, Okay, 
And other guys, well, well, let's help the federal employee unions. Okay. And yeah. that's what they do. And uh, we Gosh. all know what they're doing. And another guy over there says, well, let's just drain this up the strategic petroleum reserve. Maybe that'll help. And you then you put all you juxtapose all this in the context where Donald Trump was impeached because he made a phone call and he said, watch out for the crooked Bidens and We've approved this loan, but I'm going to hold it up a little bit till you get your house in order. You don't let this quid pro quo family start to screw stuff up. And uh, right. what are they doing? They're using U.S. foreign policy and national interest, and they're warping it in terms of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. We're begging the Saudis uh, all for the benefit of the short-term gain in the midterm. Well, Victor, not to uh, emasculate too many people, but I've never been a, really a fan of Michael Beschloss or uh, John Meekham. Watch them occasionally on um, Morning Joe or some other other show. And this, that, especially Meekham, has a very, very kind of self-satisfied smugness to him. But Beschloss, who is uh, is is. I think on MSNBC the other night he was labeled as the the president's historian or something like that. You know, not not presidential historian like you are, Victor. You are a military historian. Anyway, he was on um, um, Chris Hayes's show. I actually saw it live. I was flicking the channels, and he he gave this. God, it was pathetic uh, uh, harangue about violence coming. Uh, probably could likely happen in uh, six days on the election. And he said something else that our children arrested and conceivably killed. This is an, an allegedly, well, he's not allegedly esteemed. He's esteemed by a certain, you know, segment of society as a historian with, with freaking Looney Tunes, uh, scaremongering uh, 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 utterances on the show the other night. So, I, I assume you saw it. Uh, you may have a, a more calmer, or more obviously more intelligent view on what he did, but I'm curious about your take on on that uh, uh, pitch and uh, anything you might have to say about Beschloss himself as as a historian. Well, I, I'm only he wrote me an email once, and he was angry, asking for a correction because. He had given an interview with Don Imus, I think it was, and he said that Barack Obama had the highest IQ and was the smartest man ever to assume the presidency. And I had a column, I just said, that's absurd. He has no idea what his IQ is. He doesn't know anything. He's never he's never been president. He doesn't. So how did he know that? He didn't know that. So I thought that was, you know, I voted for Donald Trump. I would never say that Donald Trump's got the highest IQ of any president, or he's the smartest person that's ever entered the office, even though Donald Trump did a lot more in four years than Barack Obama did in eight. Yeah, for all we know, so, Will, Millard Fillmore might have had the Yeah, so IQ. who knows? He He's somebody we're talking about. I don't have any, I'm not, I'm not judging him on his resume, but he represents that strain of privilege and elitism. He's, he's, I think he went to Phillips Academy and uh, I think Sammy, Sammy's listening, and uh, maybe Sammy knows. I think Sammy taught at uh, Phillips Academy. She knows what the environment there is like. He went to Williams. Oh, wow. He went. He went to Harvard. He's he's not an academic. He never got a PhD in history. 
in that sense. I'm not saying you need a PhD to write history. There's some great historians. David McCullough, I don't think, had a PhD. But uh, he, right. he was a businessman. He was an MBA. And he's, you know, he's connected to the world. I think his wife who works for the World Bank or something. They're all the same. So he lives in a very right. privileged, rarefied uh, East Coast, North, Northern East Coast milieu. And he sort of weighs in. And he's, I think he wrote a book on Eisenhower, but it's basically the same book on either Kennedy or Roosevelt, how great they were, da, 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 da. Okay, we get that. But lately, Trump, he's another casualty of Trump derangement syndrome. Trump just destroyed him. And uh, he's made a fool out of himself. It's too bad. But he has, he's really made a fool out of himself. He really, what you just said, I, I've heard him say that in two occasions. John Meacham is a similar person. He's another aristocrat, and he should know better because he was chastised. I think he was teaching at Duke, and he or is it Vanderbilt? I think it was might have been Vanderbilt. Excuse me, but he, uh, you remember, he was a collaborator or a speechwriter, in fact, for uh, the State of the Union in 2020, and then he went. He went on. Uh, he went on national TV, cable TV, and he, what did he do? He he bragged and said it was one of the best speeches that was around. So MSNBC, <laughs> think of that. So he writes a speech, yeah, and then right. he goes on to MSNBC, and he says that uh, this is really good. And he doesn't tell anybody that he's bragging yeah. on himself. So I think they were considering firing him. And so what does he do? He turns right around. And he does the same thing again. He's still a talking head, and he contributed to these shadow of lies speeches. And it's very unethical. He's a very unethical person to do that. And then we have Doris Kurt, the third of the Troika, Goodwin, and she was dismissed from national was it PBS for plagiarism. And she and when and when a grandee who doesn't do their own work and their own research or they have. Uh, and they get caught at that. They usually blame assistants. Oh, I didn't know that my, you know, my my staffer didn't tell me that, that whatever. But they never come cool. And so you've got three people. That but are she's happy. she's she's still treated with great great. Oh, well, like she's on a comeback, she but she was in the wilderness, the doghouse for years. She lost all of her affiliations yeah. because she was lying. She was stealing. That's intellectual theft. Right. And Meacham was unethical. So that you have three people who are unethical. And yet we're told that we're going to listen to their words. Uh, basically, the assignment was, I'm going to brand half the com- country as semi-fascist SOBs because I can't. I ran the country into the ground and nobody likes what I'm doing. And even though we control Wall Street and professional sports and entertainment and K through 12 and Silicon Valley and print media and network news, it's still not enough. Um, I've only got 40%. And uh, you guys have to spice this speech up. So instead of, I call them liars. Can't you say they dwell in the shadow of the lies? That's the kind of stuff they do. Right. And it didn't right. work, and it's that's it's sad because whatever reputations had given all of their ethical gymnastics and contradictions, whatever reputations they had, will be further eroded because they were purveyors of hate. So they they were trying to divide the country even further. 
and calling people. I, I get really angry because uh, yesterday I was in a, a drugstore in small town, uh, my small town, and two Mexican-American guys came up. And they were kind of covered with tattoos. They didn't speak English. And they said, hey, man, I see you on Vox. Keep it up, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, you know, can you just stop a minute? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm busy, though. I said, you watch Fox? Yeah, I watch Fox all the time. I said, why do you watch Fox? And they gave me all these reasons. So they're not conspiracists. Are these the MAGA, no. ultra, mega MAGA? Are these the people that the only shadow of lies they, they do is they work very hard? And uh, Victor, I, my my sister-in-law from the Dominican Republic came to America after she was 20. And I just talking to her last night. I'd never really talked to her about politics. Huge, huge Fox fan, huge Tucker fan, yeah. very huge Biden hater. You know, I, this is they, they, uh, they don't they don't get what they've done to the country. They don't realize that right. there's been. Jack, there's been one good thing about this madness from 2021 to the present. They have managed to bring a lot of people together across religious, ethnic, and racial lines to a new class, a new class, right. a solidly middle-class people who cannot stand the bicoastal elite, are scared to death right. of the FBI, the DOJ, the IRS, because they've been weaponized. They were. They feel that they can't fully express themselves because we're not living in a free country anymore, and they feel that if they speak out, they will be put in jail or they're afraid of the government. And these people right. want to perpetuate that, and so we'll see what happens. But everybody that's out there listening, uh, one of the nicest and most pleasant time um, two hours of my life was we went over to a friend and watched the 2016 election and she happened to doze off. And then we, my wife and I were watching and she woke up and she said, Oh, did Trump lose? <laughs> he said, no, he didn't. And so she said, can we watch, can we please watch CNN and MSNBC? <laughs> so people right. were, they were crying. They were hysterical. Oh, yeah. They were screaming. They were like, right. it was like, well, they're still Ohio. And then the the anchor would say, well, our team says that even if he were to win Ohio, it wouldn't matter. Oh, what the, Pennsylvania is still out. And it, they couldn't accept it. And they went ballistic. And I think the same thing is going to happen Tuesday night. So everybody tune in and, you know, channel yeah. surf and see how they react to this. Right. You have a little more uh, upside there because you, uh, you know, we stay up till three o'clock to watch the uh, and drink the drink the uh, liberal tears, <laughs> but you, you you get it's a little more normal time for you to do that. Uh, I, I'm 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 planning on staying up very late uh, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning to enjoy it. Uh, which so anyway, Victor, we got one other thing we're going to talk about, and that's the uh, ongoing uh, weirdness of this Paul Pelosi story and the and the news coverage of it. And let's get to that right after this final important message. Whoa, sweet man cave! Thanks, serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. 
I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com. Back with the Victor Davis Hanson show recording on Saturday, November 5th. Today, you're listening, is Election Day, and uh, you will, uh, uh, hopefully this will be a great night for, for uh, all of us who are conservatives and those of us who love liberty and love our country and don't and, and see it at the abyss and don't want it to fall into the abyss. So, meanwhile, though, Victor, um, Paul Pelosi, speakers, husband, attacked, uh, hospitalized, brain surgery. I believe he's out of the hospital now as we as we speak. Um, yesterday or the day before, there was a detail, detailed uh, NBC news story about well, what happened. As many people, you know, some people want to hypothesize, uh, cons- well, conspiracy theories. Some conspiracy theories actually are, are the, end up being the truth if you've ever watched... Uh, uh, forensic files, but uh, uh, there was an NBC News report about uh, about what actually happened in the first few minutes when the police uh, 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 arrived at the Pelosi house, and then it was pulled off the air, pulled off the air, and the only brief uh, uh, explanation was NBC said uh, it did not meet our journalistic standards. Which I think is some the same lingo that's been used in the past. Uh, why you know the Tom Tom Cotton as you know op ed in the New York Times. Uh, why why the editors there were fired and things like that. It's kind of now the the go to excuse. But uh, look, I don't I don't particularly want to dwell on uh, Paul Pelosi and and the assault on him. But you know the way it's being. Uh, uh, handled in the press. It seems like there's some privilege being given. It was Nancy Pelosi pissed off about the coverage and all of a sudden NBC bowed to her. And I, I, I mean, that's my immediate uh, non, non, I hope it's non conspiratorial thought. Anyway, Victor, it's a little troubling. Well, there's, there's something, yeah, I, I don't know. As I said, when we first discussed it, I don't think anybody knows what happened, but what I'm, but if I were the Pelosi's, and I was confident in their narrative, what happened, then I would want the following to happen. I would want them to release the 911 call. I would want them to have the body cam calls, uh, the body cam videos of the police who arrived. I would want them to have the security camera all released. I would want a press conference with the officers who were there without their supervisors and get it all out. But they don't want that. 
And so what they're doing is, on the one hand, they're saying, oh, this is horrible that these conspiracy people... And then they're feeding these conspiracies by saying, originally, the police came and were let in by an unidentified person. Uh, police, next iteration. The police came and were let in by a third person. The police came in and were led in by Paul Pelosi. Now, how hard was it to say that at the beginning? And then they said, I, I looked at a fact checker. All the fact checking is, is sad. It's so pathetic. It's fact check. There are a lot of people on the right say Paul Pelosi was in his underwear and this man was in his shorts. Paul Pelosi was not in his underwear. He was wearing a t-shirt and boxer shorts. <laughs> what are boxer shorts? I wear boxer shorts. Isn't that underwear? And it is is in my house. Yeah. Exactly. So that is a fact check. And then what what were they doing for 30 minutes? And so I don't I I'm I'm perfectly willing to believe what I want to believe that the poor man was just upstairs asleep. There was a complete nut hippie crazy unstable person that somehow knew where he lived somehow got there took a hammer broke in somehow the the security camera was not on or the alarm system was not on he prowled around the house he went up to his room he threatened him he said he was going to wait for his wife to come there for 30 or so minutes he just stared him down and finally Pelosi figured out he could go in the bathroom he didn't have he called and maybe he didn't close the door and lock himself in because he wanted to have a live, you know, streaming. Two minutes later, the police there, they both come down. Maybe he, you know, was afraid the guy was going to attack him. They're sitting there with, the, I'm perfectly willing to believe that. I think that's could well have happened, but you're never going to convince most people that that happened until you come clean and you give the evidence and you can't keep contradicting and saying, we're not. We're going to fire that person for reporting that. We withdraw that report. We're not going to release the nine. Just let it all out. Let the truth will set you free, and that's the problem they're having. And then the idea that you're going to take this story, where you're not transparent, and you're trying to suppress elements of it, and then you're going to use it in the last week of a campaign in a very dastardly way to suggest that this is a right-wing nut who uh, gorges and swallows all the right-wing MAGA propaganda, and therefore the MAGA propaganda is responsible for him. That is even worse, especially given, you know, the pride flag, the BLM flag, the nudist colony where he lives, uh hippie place he lives. He's just a nut. And so what's happening is, as I look as an outsider, Rather, they're not confident about the narrative, but they are confident that anybody who is not confident about the narrative, like they're not confident about the narrative, is a, I don't know, a horrible person is attacking the Pelosi family. No doubt some are. But if you're so confident about the narrative and the facts, and these people are conspiracy theorists, then give, it this, give us the evidence so you can discredit them in the public square. But they won't. They either don't give the evidence or they keep modulating it. And you know what that means. It means that the two officers went there. They talked to some friends. 
you know, this is weird. Too many, you know, and then the friends talk, and then the rumor gets out, and then the the supervisor gets a call from somebody and says, "Damn it, you want your job? You you silence that." And so that's what's happening until somebody takes responsibility, sits at a table with the officers and says, these people are here. These two officers are here for questions and they can answer any question that does not directly harm the investigation and go to it. And here on this screen is the security cameras of the break in. On this screen is the body cams of the officers themselves. And you're now hearing the 911 tape. I think we're trying to be as transparent to dispel these crazy conspiracy theories. It's all they'd have to do. They all could right. do it in two hours. Victor, before we end, I'm going to be a bad boy, and I'm going to th- I'm going to throw you a curveball, or I'm going to raise something I didn't discuss with you in advance. But I, you're you're pretty smart. I think you can handle it. And and maybe in a in just like two or three minutes. But I just saw a story about Joe Manchin. Uh, savagely attacking joe biden for biden being out there saying well you know gloriously the last couple of days we're going to shut down all the coal plants yeah hallelujah and it's all going to be wind and solar and this sap who who helped pass this last bill to further inflate the economy joe manchin all right you know we were all okay joe he's he was our you know the 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 uh, the difference between madness and not madness. Well, he caved in to Biden, and now he's now he's bitching and moaning. And earlier in the show, you said something like "shut the f up," and that's what I'd love to say to Joe Manchin: shut up. You know what? What did you think was going to happen with this guy? Yeah, I, I think, think he's going to do to your constituents. I think his little two step is over with. He was supposed to represent the old West Virginia. Came out of the depression. They were appreciative of FDRs, you know, Tennessee Valley Authority type public works. And they were strong union people and the Democratic Party was pro-union. And um, that's no longer true. It's dissipated. And this man is a relic, an ossified, calcified relic of that age. And he plays that part. I I don't <laughs> He comes back to what you don't know how crazy these guys are in the Democratic Party, but I'm still there for the working man. That's his that's his shtick. And it doesn't matter. It's just insane because he's joining forces that are going to destroy these people's livelihoods. And that's why he's not going to get elected in two years. And more importantly, you know, when he works with Biden, where does Biden get this idea of He's going to shut down coal plants. It was exactly verbatim what Barack Obama said in 2009. He said, I'm going to shut down the coal plants. And I think I'm quoting, you guys can check me. I think I'm quoting almost literally, and electricity rates are going to skyrocket. And he was channeling Stephen Mm -hmm. Chu, his designate energy secretary, said, we have to find a way to make our prices reach European levels in terms of gas. Right, right. And that's why when you send... Biden out there on the campaign trail and you send Obama and you send Hillary and you were sending Pelosi until recently, they're not going to be effective because all Biden did was have the insanity to enact the most radical proposals that these guys wanted to do. But their advisors said, you know what, Brock, don't shut down all the coal plants and we're getting hurt in the 2010 midterms because of gas prices just cool the Stephen shoe stuff and they did 
God. But how are they going to campaign and say Joe Biden is ruining everything when Biden's click and cadre are bragging to themselves and to the country and to leaking? Oh, we're doing what Barack Obama couldn't do. He thought he could do it. He thought he was a community organizer. He thought he was a left cool hipster. But we did things that he didn't even dare imagine. Right. We're so far beyond him on the scale of left-wing radicals. He's a has-been. And he is a has-been. When you look at him come, come in out, it's like he's right. Rip Van Winkle. He woke, it's 2022, and he thinks it's 2008. It's like the 2008. He's gray. He's thinner. He, he doesn't look as hale, but he's rolled up his sleeves. He has the same shirt. He rolls up his sleeves. He gets in front of a crowd. He modulates his patois. So it's sometimes it's the little nerd from Harvard or prep school in Honolulu. And then it's the black, black preacher who grew up in the South. And then he gets he gets into the modulation. He thinks, okay, it's been about 60 seconds. Now I got to go into my mock angry road. I mean, they're going to cut this all the and they're, they're all, you work hard and they're going to just cut you. And then he calms down. And after he's riled everybody up and devised it, we got to be careful about rhetoric. And then he gets off the check stage and he says to himself, do I go to the estate in Oahu? Do I go to the state in Colorado or do I go back right. to Martha's Vineyard? But I don't go to my fourth mansion. I'm not going back to my fourth mansion in Chicago. Hell no. Hell no. By the way, Victor, it's any of these people that are bringing out of mothballs. I just don't see how they don't, whoever they are, that Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris coming to the aid of Kathy Hochul in New York at some campaign rally. Does Gosh, anyone that really a think that's that was gonna... a gift, gift for Zeldin? My God. Oh my I'm just waiting for Al Gore to show up and John Kerry and a joint parent saying, you know, this is wonderful that gasoline is six fifty in California. Right. Oh my God. This I was a... in Los Angeles yesterday and six eighty. What were you doing there? What were I, you doing there? Uh the Claremont Institute Institute gave me the uh Henry. I Salvatore. want you to brag. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it was very Good. wonderful group of people. I know that the Claremont People have taken an undue uh, level of criticism, but it's not justified. They're wonderful people. And they have been very influential in trying to take these uh, ideas about, you know, getting tough with China and preserving Americans' independence in manufacturing and assembly, closing the border, resuming to a melting pot idea about race, and then you know, translating all that into particular policy initiatives for the Congress. So I think right. you're going to hear even yeah. more about them. There, there, it was it was just a wonderful evening. The people were was at the California Terrific. Club, and they, I only had one complaint, and that is I had to drive through Los Angeles, downtown Los Angeles, and oh, well, that made me almost want to weep because that <laughs> I remember Los Angeles. Yeah, I, I go down there about every six months to downtown and. It gets worse, and and it used to be yeah. in the '90s. It was like L.A. never had a, a downtown like New York, or you know, never right. had a, a Washington. So we're going to have our San Francisco. So we're going to have skyscrapers, and we're going to have people downtown, and and it was beautiful. 
they had they had parks and it almost looked like you know avenue of the americas in its heyday it was it was really beautiful they had these beautiful skyscrapers and it was just packed 30 years ago and there was no homeless there was no crime and it was weird right. it was there was kind of deserted on a friday morning late morning and there was a lot of homeless yeah. people and the type of people that were around were not business people so and it was kind of grungy it didn't look nice and right beyond the perimeter of the downtown it was really bad and uh i i have i well, guess still of though still you my, were there yeah uh, i was you, there you, you were there because you you were you were rightly uh recognized for your brilliance the salvatore award i just want to congratulate you for that and you're right claremont terrific uh uh place our you know my good friend your friend dan mahoney chris caldwell their fellows who write i really there. like chris caldwell is i think in some ways the best journalist dash essayist writing today he's really he's uh, when he writes you've got to read it yeah he wrote a very profound essay for the claremont review of he books did. which i I he subscribe did. to. I recommend he, every time he writes one. It's but about uh, how human resources is really the thing which is dictating so much of the madness in America now, um, uh, where you know race and and rights come into come into play. It's a really profound piece. Hey, Victor, that's about. Uh, thanks for your congratulations again. Thanks for your uh, thoughts on Mansion. And uh, before we leave, as is our want on the end of uh, at the end of our programs. We like to recognize and thank our our listen our our listeners, yeah, for uh, joining us on yet another episode. And to reassure you that those of you who leave comments in various places on Victor's website, again, that's victorhanson.com, or those who rate this show on uh, on Apple or iTunes, then thanks for doing that. Those who do rate it, and we do read the comments that some of you leave. And I'm going to read two today. It's very two farm ones, and I think these are cool. This uh, first one is titled Workplace Wisdom. As a heavy equipment operator in rural northeast Montana, I spend my working hours mostly in solitude. VDH and his team transform the cab of my machine into a lecture hall filled with a wide array of political, economical, and sociological topics from the ancient Greek to the modern days. Every day I learn and most every day I laugh and I thank them for it. This is from Becca Regal, uh, Workplace Wisdom. I think that's pretty cool, Victor. Someone's out there providing, uh, getting, putting food on our table. Yeah, and, absolutely. And listening to the show. And then there's another one of a similar, uh, It's this is called Central Valley Farm Culture. This is really a touching piece. It's from Darwin Horn. And he writes, or, uh, your discussion of the loss of our farming culture was poignant, this on a recent episode. The same happened in Southern Illinois. In the early 1980s, I was a grad student in St. Louis and had a side job working as an ethnobotanist. We surveyed the abandoned farmhouses in the agricultural region in the Illinois River Valley, looking for heirloom plants that were left behind. The residents seemed to have disappeared suddenly. Many of the houses still contained furniture as well as clothing left hanging in closets. Some houses even had dishes still setting on kitchen tables, some with half-eaten meals. It seemed apocalyptic and reminded me somewhat of Pompeii. I too mourn the passing of this Lifeway and believe that we are culturally 
Torah for the Lost. Thank you for personalizing it so eloquently. Yeah, Victor, people really do dig uh, your uh, uh, talking about uh, farm life, agriculture, growing up. So, uh, and and I think Darwin here speaks for many people. So, thank you, Darwin, for taking the time to to uh, leave that, and all others who leave comments, we do read them. Thank you very much, Victor. Thanks for all the wisdom you shared, and uh, we will be back soon with another episode of The Victor Davis Hanson Show. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.